Welcome to Bloody Good Horror. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Bloody Good Horror. My name's Eric, and I'll be your host for this evening, where we will be reviewing The Green Knight. Is it a horror movie? No idea, but it's the most A24 movie maybe we've ever done on this show. Uh, I'll be your host for this evening, coming to you from, let's say, uh, central Massachusetts, John. I never really really say where I'm coming from. Next up, from Manhattan, New York City... He's officially better than all of us again. Please welcome John to the show. It's been a long time coming, Eric. Yeah. I mean, it it was a long time coming before, then it went away, and now it's back. I don't know. Yeah, but that sounds right. Yeah. I mean, I feel abandoned personally, but it's fine. <laughs> I miss the. Like, <laughs> to be clear, I was like, you know, what, like two hours closer? <laughs> I mean, I guess four hours. We were John, it's a, it's a region. Same he's, region, buddy. He's mine <laughs> we again. Were re- we were region friends. The DMV, DC, Maryland, yeah, Virginia. True. We had a, a, a front. John, I yeah. miss uh, the atrium behind you, but I guess we'll just have to. <laughs> the solarium. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Next up on the show. You hear her now from Richmond, Virginia. Please welcome Caitlin. Hi. And last up tonight from Indiana, please welcome Casey. Hello, everybody. Um, John, you can thank Elizabeth that we're even having this show right now because at about one o'clock, we were discussing the movie and I was like, yeah, I figured I'd watch it tonight and then I'll finish it tomorrow before the show. And she's like, today is Wednesday. And I was like, it sure is. Classic was one, Labor Day mistake, Eric. dude. I'm out of it. Yeah, so she she's the reason we're, why we're you weren't working tonight. on Monday. I guess you were. No, I was not. That's celebrating the laborers. No, yeah. I was not celebrating. But no, um, yeah, we're here to talk about the Green Knight. Get excited, Gawain. You've been on Ga- this one, Garwin. For, you've been on this uh, one for a while, John. Are you happy finally? Uh, Will you just shut up about yeah. this now? Well, it wasn't just me. I feel like they like a lot of people. Like it was like society was on this movie for it was, a while. It was mostly <laughs> you, but I understand. Well, but this was a this was a 2020 release. Like this was supposed to have come out last year, got kicked, uh, got theatrical only. It is now streamable. You can rent it on. Yeah. I think it's it's only rental streaming. But right. Yes. So there it is. I am happy. I yeah, Eric. If you want to know, yes. I That's all happy. I wanted to hear. Just wanted an honest answer there. All right, let's do it. <laughs> let's talk about the Green Knight. This is it, Shadowbird. Your big break in TV. From the front time. Main feature. Uh, John, I read one article about this movie. <laughs> So ask me anything and I know actually it was mostly about somewhat about the movie. It was a lot about the original 
poem or story or whatever. So how would you pronounce the main character's name? I probably wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. If you, the teacher safe. like popcorn read it over to you, you'd you just skip it. You may it. choose to do that, John, but I will not. Um, it was written in the 1300s. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's old. Written in the 13 old. written in the 1300s, but set closer to like 600. Oh, I was going to guess like 8 or 9. So, you even at that even at the time <laughs> So th- this is an interesting point about it, though. Even at the time, you had somebody writing about an era that was already 600 years past. So whatever, like, you know, cultural information you're trying to glean from it is, is you know, it's a game of telephone at best, John. I like seeing you do that math in your head while you're going. It's because time oh, is they, a flat circle, man. They did, it, they did it for me, John. So, oh, okay. Yeah, don't worry about it. He read the article. Yeah. It's true. There was like a math equation in the article. <laughs> so there you go. I'm smart. Uh, hey, John, yeah. please bring mm-hmm. us the word of the day. What you got? Eric, today's word. Talisman. Ooh. T-A-L-I-S-M-A-N. You sure, Talisman. you sure you've never done that one? I checked it. Okay. Did not come up. So I'm rolling with it. Uh, an object, typically an inscribed ring or stone that is thought to have magic powers and to bring good luck. can also be a person regarded as representing and inspiring a particular group. Talisman. So interesting. Comes to us, so it says mid-17th century, which is like pretty late. You know, just this is like a word you would have thought would have been around. Based on the Arabic tilsam, tilsam, apparently from an alteration of late Greek, Telesma, hmm. completion or religious rite. There is completion in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was good. <laughs> oh, God. Can't yeah. set me up like that, Schnorr. Sorry. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Love it. Green well, Knight? What does that have to do with the Green I Knight? I feel like you what should it, be described. Oh, wait, okay. What because is we didn't have to remind Elizabeth through this last week. What does the ta- what does talisman have to do with the Green Knight? So I, you know, I like to let the relationship organically evolve out of the conversation, but <laughs> right. I'll I'll put a bow on it for you. Um, Garwin, Garwin, I don't know. It's, I think that's how they pronounce it in, in their time. Uh, they uh, so he receives a, I guess you would call it a belt, at one point in the film from his mother before he goes on his quest. Uh, and she basically says, if you wear this, no harm shall come to you. Uh, it's, I mean, it was, it's like the definition of a talisman, I would say. There it's called go. fashion, John. It, mm. it's referred it, to well, as it a is, sash. It we're, looked great. We're going to get so, into later added what, what more happens with that, but we'll talk about that later. Um, Caitlin, what'd you think? I liked this one. I, uh... I unfortunately did not catch this in theaters. I watched it uh, rented on demand, uh, but I really liked it. Uh, I I think it was cast really well. Dev Patel, I mean, he looks great. They did a great job styling him. I mean, but I mean, why right do you gotta like, go to looks right away? God, so, well, because I you, John, so crass. <laughs> <laughs> he looks very like boyish and reckless, just like his character is in the beginning, and he then they great. show his I... journey. <laughs> 
<laughs> but uh, no, I, I really liked it. I liked the styling a lot. Uh, I feel like I always get caught up in the background. I was thinking about the castle and still am thinking about the castle long after. Uh, that was a really, really cool set piece. There are some things with the uh, fashion and symbolism as Eric alluded to, but a little bit uh, expanded upon that as well that I hope that we can get to. Um, We're not yeah. out of time. No? Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Casey. That's cool. Um, yeah. We're on a very strict timeline on this, this podcast. <laughs> um, I, uh, I appreciated the fox. I... I've been using the Chaos Reigns Fox gift from Antichrist a lot lately. So Dude, like, yeah, if you're Jones and for more talking Fox, like this will do it for you. <laughs> yeah. There's just no restraint. Casey, um, what'd you think, buddy? I love this movie. It was pretty mind-blowing from beginning to end. And really, uh, everything, the cinematography and everything is really the standout here. It was a beautiful movie and I wish I would have seen it in the theaters. I may still go try and see it before it leaves theaters. I rented this one too. Still a good movie. It did, I had no idea what to expect going into it. I wouldn't say it has a whole lot of horror elements to it, but it does have a lot of dark fantasy elements to, to it, which I think is cool. Wasn't a, a, a real familiar with the original poem. I've heard of it. I knew its background a little bit, but I don't know any of the details or anything like that. So going through this, it was really kind of epic, felt epic to watch it all unfold and see what everything, everything he was getting to and how he got there. Um, the design of the green Knight itself was amazing. Dev Patel, I thought was great. I thought Alicia Vikander was fantastic in this movie too. I, you know, there really wasn't a bad role in this for me. I just kind of loved it from top to bottom. Schnars. Yeah, I'm with Casey. I I love this. I mean, so I should say I had one of the shittiest possible viewing experiences. Same. Um, similarly, it, I, I ended the movie and was sort of angry that I did not have a chance to see this in the theater. I, I just being realistic with myself, I'm not getting to the theater to see this at this point. <laughs> you know, like I, <laughs> I have a hard enough time seeing like new movies, let alone movies I've already seen and trying to get out to the theater for them. Um, was it, it your cross country move, three kids and a full time job? Excuses. Excuses, excuses. <laughs> Guys, I'm like swimming in fucking boxes. I have my camera strategically placed so you cannot see how fucked this apartment is in any event. Um, <laughs> I, the movie's amazing. I mean, it's, it's just a, a and then I'm, I'm, I don't want to like go overboard, but like it's gorgeous. It looks great. Um, it is uh, dreamlike contemplative it's um but it for a movie that moves as slow as it does because it moves pretty friggin' slow at some times i never felt like i didn't know where it was going or that i wasn't sort of in um the control of the director like he so we should have said that david lowry i think is the director's name um i don't have it sitting in front of me uh yes david lowry um and I hadn't seen any of this stuff. I did. Some of you all may have seen Ghost Story because I think you all did it on an episode of the podcast that I wasn't on. No, I wanted to. No, we never got around okay. to it. Yeah, I'm gonna go watch this movie like this weekend now because, like, I just felt like he had such a confident hand in in yeah. guiding this film. I mean, the cinema. I, I would love to know who the cinematographer was. I, I didn't have a chance to look it up, but like, it just looks amazing. The art direction is amazing. The costumes and then the performances. I think 
there's not enough that can be said about taking a poem, as Eric mentioned, from the 14th century, transferring it to you know a modern a modern film, not a modern setting, because it's set sort of in the time that the story actually happens. But it doesn't it it I don't know. Like when you see Shakespeare adaptations, sometimes they feel stuffy or they feel um, I don't know, like overly literary. And this this again, it, I guess you could say it feels literary at times, but it doesn't. It's not like there's long stretches of narration or or even like dialogue, honestly, like the, the script was just very well put together. So yeah, I mean, top to bottom, I was like pretty blown away. And for one of the shittiest viewing experiences, I had to chop it up into like three settings on my computer screen, just a disaster area. And I was very sad about it, but here we are. Yeah. Um, I'm with you guys, man. This movie is, it is long, but what I'll say about it is that it is, it's just like an incredibly visually stunning movie. Um, you know, it's there's there's not much of a narrative. I mean, there is a narrative, but there's large portions of the movie where as a viewer, I anyway, I was kind of like, uh, what? Like this, you know, you get to these moments like with the giants or where characters just look like other characters or these really cryptic things are said. It's a movie that I feel like um, might lose some people along the way. And that's definitely just, it's, it's a 24. I mean, it's, it's very a 24 E kind of movie, but um, you know what it did? It actually kind of scratched like a game of Thronesy kind of itch for me. And not just because it's medieval, but like it's this low kind of fantasy where we're just really focused on the journey um, I think grunge like, fantasy, crime <laughs> fantasy. <laughs> like I, I don't, I, I, especially since reading game of Thrones, like I kind of need that in my fantasy. Like I need to see the ways in which this world makes things like travel difficult. It, it changes. The, you want to, you want to be in the brothel. Like, yeah, game like it, <laughs> living in a world like this is a completely different sense of like time and, distance and stuff. And that is partially what makes everything in the world feel so huge. Cause like just traveling to another city or something is an accomplishment. Right. And like this whole movie just kind of becomes a journey. And I really enjoyed despite it being, you know, it's two hours. It's a lot for me, but I enjoyed how much they drew that out to the point where like when he gets to the temple, that, that whole sequence is just really amazing. Like not just him waiting for the night and what happens, but then it goes into this version of the future. And like, just that whole third act was like really, uh, impactful for me. Um, and the talking Fox. Yeah. It should be said. I, maybe you guys said this, but it's not really a horror movie so much. I'd call it like dark fantasy. There is a dude who loses his head. There's some blood and gore and some other stuff. There, there but... are definitely, there are definite horror elements. Yeah. The other thing specters. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, that's there's true. certain that's shots, true. there's ways that tension works within a scene sometimes that is that very much relies on sort of like horror mechanics. The other, I, like they marketed this as a horror movie. They absolutely, like if you go back and watch that trailer, they're playing in that direction. I think because they were like, what the fuck do we do with this movie? Well, you know? I mentioned like, this pre-show but, to Caitlin because Caitlin was saying like the online scores were kind of bad or like the critic scores or something. Was that, was it Rotten yeah. Tomatoes, Caitlin, or... 
basically percent no, uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. But like, my point well, is, Eric and I were talking about it pre-show, and I was I googled it to bring up the IMDb and the Wikipedia to have names and stuff ready. And the the Google reviews are like the average is like a two something, but there are so many ones out of five. And yeah. Eric was talking about the way it was marketed. Well, it's like, sort of that's the, the A twenty four thing. Like they somehow get away with marketing these movies to the masses. And those trailers always fudge how traditional of a movie it is. Like, it, they're never traditional movies. And the trailer always finds a way to give you just enough to be like, if, I feel like if you didn't know what A24 meant, same thing with The Witch. Like, I, I left The Witch in a theater full of people who were pissed because it was October and they were waiting for a horror movie and they got this, like, art house thing. You know what I mean? So it doesn't surprise me, I guess, is my only point. Um, but this does have more fantasy notes than horror notes. I mean, there are, yeah. I mean, like we have a ghost that he interacts with essentially, and there are some horrific or scary moments, but yeah, it's, I, I was sort of wondering what the consensus would be like in terms of our, our end of year lists, like where this would have a place. I'm, happy, not have a place. I'm happy to keep it in the conversation oh, because oh. like, I just think like when, look, even I understand it's fantasy, but it's dark fantasy, right? Like this is, you, you talk about the the plot even, or, you know, sort of what happens. It's like he's facing mortality. It's very much about, I mean, there's there's sort of thematic elements about honor and, and sort of trying to establish his place in this sort of hierarchical world. Um, but it's also just like a story about mortality. So like an interesting... An interesting twist from the original story that I was reading is basically in the original story, through the whole thing, he is like a well-regarded honorable knight. And so that was a specific screenwriting choice to sort of bring it the way they described in this article was like, bring it more in line with modern screenwriting in the sense of giving the character a journey. Like the character has a trait that they have to overcome in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. So he's... Gawain is originally like one of the knights of the round table here. He is the nephew effectively of the king. The right. king's sister is, uh, is now in the original story. It is King Arthur. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. no. And it's King Arthur. That's here what it too. Like. I mean, at least according to IMDb, yeah. like they call well, it. It's not, say, it's not called s- him king and queen. It's no, not, but it, like, it's not it said, but the way he's, the way he's, um, having a moment with himself over the sword, you kind of figure. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, I think that's, you know, John, you were talking about um, sort of mortality being a big theme. And for me, one of the big themes was like him trying to have this sort of like chivalrous, knightly persona. And I mean, we see him wake up in a brothel. He really recklessly sets this challenge. He doesn't prepare for it. He lost his boots. He he naively gets robbed like immediately. And, and there's sort of a test of his sort of um, ability to you know, um, decline momentary pleasure to like maintain nightly pursuits. And he fails kind of that test. Like for me, that was one of my major things was sort of seeing him try to get to this place that maybe he saw for himself and others saw for himself, maybe his mom. But yeah, I, I don't know. I I enjoyed that part of watching him fail. (laughs) One of my favorite. He has unearned status. Right. And he, like his journey is really about trying to capture that's that he sees it as an opportunity to capture status for himself. One of my favorite things about this movie is like, I love this particular, like when you go this far back in history, I just love this idea that like everybody's fucking crazy. 
like everyone's insane. Everyone's dead by the time they're 40. They're drunk all the time. Like what I mean is they're sitting at this Christmas feast or whatever. And this tree demon strides in on a horse and lays down the challenge. They're doing something. He just walks in and the king goes, yeah, who's going to take him up on it? Like that in itself is batshit crazy. And I love it. Like that's just such a, I just love the way that everybody was like, well, it's okay. This is what we're doing because it's the olden times. And when somebody comes in and challenges you, you just take it and like, you know, yeah, because if you turn them down, you're being dishonorable, right? Right, like that's, but that's what I mean. Like, it's all about this code that is so foreign to modern audiences, and yeah. like they they so commit to it here, and it becomes really the thread of what the entire plot is about. Well, to me, that's uh, like I guess I, the way I was contextualizing that or thinking about that earlier is like it's it shows how clear a vision the director has, right? Because yeah, I mean. That's just how the world works. And he has such an assured sense of how that world works. And it's so consistent throughout. I mean, you, yeah. you were sort of hitting on this, but, you know, Caitlin, you brought up some of the other folks he runs into. So he goes off on this quest. So he has to, he, what I loved is like, he had, there's this moment when he chops off the Green Knight's head in the very beginning. And it's like, okay, cool. Like now I'm going to revisit upon you in a year, the same Well, he already knew that, but I'm like, I guess you're just thinking, okay, this will kill you and you're stupid. Well, exactly. He thought he was killing him. And so then the guy's, then there's this moment when, and this to me is, is a, it's not, I understand it's not like classic horror per se, but like there is, there's a pretty horrifying moment when, when he picks up his head and he's like, all right, cool. See ya. And then there's like the evil laugh. I mean, just visually the design of the green Knight, like that whole opening scene where he strides in, it's really dark. All the, all the torches get like magically snuffed out. Oh, the sound design around the green Knight too. Yes. It sounds like a tree creaking and leaves rustling. Yes. The sound design is amazing. The, um, but like I related to it. That's what I feel like when I move (laughs) 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 but every interaction that he has they're all that like sort of level of crazy right like so he he meets the the i don't even know what you would call him like that that kid who's the band of thieves yeah i mean this kid's like picking over bodies in a battlefield at no point does an go huh i wonder what's going on with this battle like it's just like kind (laughs) of like yeah there's a battle and there's a bunch of dead corpses he does ask he's like so are they just not gonna bury these people And, and the kid's like nah no one left to bury or no one left to do the burying. I can't remember. But, and all of that is just, it's not that it's unremarked upon, but to your point earlier, Eric, like it's, it's just like how life is. And it's, it, it gives you such a consistent and like pretty grim portrait of, of this world. Well, yeah, I also thought too in that scene when he came across the battlefield, he's also like the time frame of the movie, he's only about two days out from his kingdom. You'd think there'd be one, some knowledge of a battle and a little bit of concern for his kingdom. <laughs> I, I love- so go ahead. Sorry. Well, when Eric was talking earlier about sort of the realities of this situation and the, the sort of how terribly treacherous that would have been, that journey would have been. I love in the scene where he's trying to get out of the, the ties that he's in and he goes to the ax, like, you know, inches over like a little inchworm to the ax and like he cuts his hand like a dummy. And I'm like, yeah, I appreciate seeing this because it does make it a little bit more visceral, not in necessarily like a body horror type of way, but in a way that's like, it pulls me in without being over the top and without being unrealistic. Like, it's not like a Marvel movie where he's just going to like, you hear the slice, you know, sound effect and he's free. 
Yeah. I like that gritty part of it. Oh, yeah. Brunch fantasy. That was, oh, when, when yeah. his hands started bleeding. I'm just like, oh. I really liked how the yeah. knight casually wakes up and goes, is it Christmas? <laughs> I don't know Extreme why. Eric vibes. Dude, everything about the night I was way into. Like he's so serious, yet kind of nonchalant about everything. It's just it's perfect. Well, there's there is there's an element of um I mean comedy, I guess, is the only way to it's there's like a dark humor that does permeate this. And some of it is Dev Patel, right? The the Gawain character. It, He's sort of hapless. I mean, not just sort of. He's actually like pretty hapless. I mean, Caitlin, you hit on it a couple of times. Like every time he's challenged, he's like doesn't exactly rise to it. He's um, reckless. You know, he's young. Sure, but I mean, that kid, like the just the mannerisms that the like, and that actor's name I should know. We've seen him a couple. Of, he shows up in these types of roles where he's like super twitchy, <laughs> like weird kind of kid. But um, I don't know. They're they're it has like a dark humor or there's undertones. And, and I think even the green Knight, part of that it's there, right? Like it's some of it's like winking, like he's so nonchalant that it's like, what the fuck, what are you supposed to do with this guy? I can see that. And there's moments too, like the way he interacts with the Fox and whatnot, that kind of highlights that too. I was going to say, there's a talking fucking animal. The Fox is amazing. I love love that whole scene with like the lady specter before she becomes the Fox where he's kind of just like, are you a spirit? And she's like, does it matter? And he's like, Oh shit, dude, I don't know. (laughs) Uh, But just that the way that whole scene was lit and it was just really cool. It's a the really lighting in general is super cool. That an, that scene is like yeah. that segment is super blue. The segment with the fox at the river is super yellow. There are su- scenes that are super like rich jewel tones at the castle. It's really well lit and like just beautiful. It's an at. amazing looking movie. And John, can we talk about the amount of fog in this movie? Mm. <laughs> How like there was a scene on the it was the battlefield scene where there's all the corpses. It's fog, but the wind is like blowing the fog. Like, yeah, crazy. it's I, awesome. That to me, I was like, that's a dude. I'm like, unironically for a long time have felt like horror movies in general need way more fog. Cause if you go back and watch an eighties <laughs> movie, you're in the woods. It's like, you can barely see. It's like, Eric, they didn't have budget oh, yeah. for CGI back then. So they used the fog. So they didn't have to show. I'm anything. just saying like it, <laughs> but it adds so much atmosphere because it, the oh, thing really? is like, that doesn't, it, it makes, it gives a scene an, otherworldly feel because it there's like an unnatural appearance to it and that's it used to such great use here where like we've got these landscapes that are just earth landscapes there's nothing really fantastical about them but partially in the framing the color of the shots but also like this use of fog makes everything feel bigger and more epic than it actually is well and it's really disorienting one thing that a24 does a lot and they have is like this inverted landscape shot. You have it in Midsummer. you have it in Hereditary, and you have it here. Like that in itself is disorienting. Mm-hmm. And then the fog is super disorienting. Like when he is sort of on 
I don't know, like this precipice and he sees the giants, but it's almost like they're walking through water because we only see parts of them. It's really cool and very surreal, super dreamlike. And just I'm like, wait, where are we in the journey? Like physically, emotionally, you know, and that's cool. That's that's a good thing as a viewer for me to be like, (laughs) I forget what's happening. And I'm sure he has no fucking idea either. Yeah, I have no opinion on the giants. I when it was (laughs) happening, I was like, what the fuck is going Um, on? I do because I was at work and I was like, oh, there's boobs. There's giant boobs. my screen <laughs> <laughs> there's 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 like a handful of things look the other piece I, I you know i finished watching this earlier today i haven't had a chance to really unpack what the hell i'm supposed to think or feel about the mom and sort of her role throughout um so according to the article fox, i wrote I think, according to the ar- according to the article i read she basically with that spell summoned the green knight a- as a sure. way of basically challenging her son to like transition into manhood which i didn't sure but i listen i say that because like i didn't fully get that until i read the article well that that's set up pretty cleanly because of the way it's in her shot like you're you know the the editing it indicates that yeah it was still like at that point and then where the third act goes that's where i was kind of like i mean like i I think i get the third act but then what's the mom's part and sorry caitlin go ahead well, no, I, I, there's some stuff with the mom. I, I'm not going to pretend like I understand it 100%, but there's, like, he thinks about her often, and there's a scene where he wakes up in the castle, and, like, he's dreaming of sort of, like, her embrace, like, a very maternal embrace, and then, like, we see that green sash that she sort of set as this sort of, like, I would love for you to grow, and he's sort of just, like, because he is so naive and so reckless and so young and just, like, not really together, he does keep thinking of these, like, maternal comforting thoughts of his mom, and then that's kind of, like, transferred over when he has this sexual encounter, like, it's just, I don't know, there's stuff with the mom that I haven't figured out yet, I'd like to give it another viewing to really wrap my head around it, but there's, yeah, there was a note there, a thread there. So, and Oh, go ahead, Casey. Sorry. I, well, I had a question that's a little bit off of that, but is it ever distinctly mentioned in this movie that the king and queen are King Arthur? And I think at one point we find out the queen's name is maybe Guinevere they mention or something, right? I don't know that they use it explicitly. Like, I don't remember, but like, that's just like from the story. And but what's so, but if we think of it in that way, what's based off of the original poem, and these are kind of analogs that they didn't necessarily name. Wouldn't that kind of also make the mom the analog of Morgan Le Fay from the originals? It was like King Arthur's sister, right? The wiz- the evil wizard, uh, sorceress? Oh, I don't know. I don't think the mom is in the poem. I mean, that's like an Eric question because he read one article earlier. But, <laughs> but I am pretty sure Morgan Le Fay was because I was yeah, reading well, about The it, mom so. is yeah. like an amalgam of a different character from the original. But I don't, I have not retained that information. No, so it could be Casey. But I mean, it would make sense thinking of it in that way that she could have been the fox as well, well as with we know she did the summoning and we know that she get made the talisman. Yeah, yeah she's she's definitely set up as a witchy character. And like that she's like part of the court, but then also like a little, you know, not embraced. Like because, you know, in the very first sequence where the king is interacting with Gawain, he said sort of says to him like, Hey, where's your mom? And and he's kind of like, yeah, she didn't really feel like uh, doing this kind of thing tonight. I don't know. You know she's I mean? not into Christmas. But it's, <laughs> but it's also like it, he's just like, yeah, all right, it makes sense. Um, so I no. do love that though. I love 
I mean, not a great period in history for for witchy people, but I do like that there's this sort of old gods and new gods. Like they're celebrating Christmas. He says, you know, the king says like to celebrate the the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Like he says the words and then there's like pentagrams everywhere. There's witchcraft that's happening and believed, um, you know, which historically will take a darker turn. Giant tree people. But yeah. I, I like the, not juxtaposition even, but just like the the co-occurrence of those two things. It's a cool period, religiously speaking, to have sort of old gods, new gods, and all of them in between. Yeah. Yep. Can we talk about um, when he, so he makes it to this kingdom before he gets there. First of all, I was confused because he wakes up and the guy's like, it's the 26th. And I'm like, well, wasn't he supposed to be there by Christmas? But then it's fine. So I didn't understand well, that. Well, Christmas, the 25th is, you know. Oh, like is that what it was? Real. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I, that was my assumption. Yeah. Um, So this interaction between that king and him is actually. Joel Edgerton. Yeah, that's actually the basis of the original story. There's a whole thing where like the king gives him gifts and he's supposed like something, whatever. Like that's they're supposed to trade. They're supposed right. to exchange like what he finds in the castle with what he find the lord or whatever finds out in the forest. Right, right. Um, but what he finds in the castle is some, the embrace oh. of a woman. <laughs> yeah, that is <laughs> the, the lord's lady. Guess what, king? You already got that. We may this yeah. may be an off-air conversation, but I was so confused by the um, anatomical aspects of that interaction, like. I don't, I don't get what happened. Like, I don't, I yes, mean, you do. <laughs> but like, do you need me to send you some video? No, no. <laughs> it was very confusing for me. Like, I understand what happened in the end. I don't understand how we got there. They gave us a pretty clear shot of what happened uh, there at the end. At the end. But, but yeah. The, the lead up there, I will say, I would listen to Alicia Vikander uh, <laughs> monologue in that voice for hours. Yeah. I, I did not, I, like, she was rather I, hypnotic. Well, yeah. and I thought she was great in this, and I was kind of like, gosh, you know, she kind of looks familiar, but I can't figure out where I've seen her from. She's the robot in Ex Machina. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like, that yeah. only occurred yeah. to me after. Now, she looks a little different. <laughs> you know, it's a different, <laughs> it's a different getup, but. Uh, She's also yeah. Lara Croft now. Yeah, yeah, in the, in the, like, most recent one. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had no. Part of it was like my the the viewing experience, which I've already complained about enough. But I did not a hundred percent know what to make of her like reappearance in that Lord's castle. Like, how much of that was just like in his head? How much was yeah. just right? Like, yeah, maybe he like was thinking about his mom. Like, I because it's I think Kaylee, you sort of mentioned like that's that is the scene where there's like a dream about the mom, but then it turns into her. It's like. Yeah, there's uh, there's some crossing over of like the creature, not even creature comforts, but the the emotional relational comforts of home, you yeah. know, that he's maybe projecting into this foreign and scary thing that he's trying to do, or it's like a surrealist, dreamy type question mark. Who knows? But he also yeah. he took he ate the mushrooms, which proved to be hallucinogenic, <laughs> and. You know, maybe from there on out, he was having a lot of confusing thoughts, you know, that maybe he was projecting her face onto that lady. And I I don't know. It's hard for me to interpret. And I don't know enough about it to speak intelligently. But I it's one of those things where I'm like, I need to watch it like six more times before I (laughs) really feel like I get it. 
Yeah, to be fair, by the time I got to that point of the movie, I was kind of just slack-jawed and waiting to see where the ride was going anyways. For sure. (laughs) Casey was very thrown by the Giants. (laughs) Yes, I was. Well, that's what I mean by, like, yes, there is a through line of plot, but then also the Giants happen and are not explained, and you're like, okay, cool. Well, but at that point, like, and Eric, you sort of teed this up, right? Like, there, there's a lot of setup, or there's not even a lot, but there's some setup. You know, you get a, you get a sort of slice of life of what's going on in this castle town that he lives in, the sort of main King Arthur town, and then, um, but from there it becomes like a pretty straight, you know, road trip, like journey film, right? Like, well, it's the hero's journey down to the water. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it, and like literally, like it's a, it's an actual journey. I love like, this sequence, and so. There's these inner titles, and so like the first one, or one of the, one of the first ones when he when the journey is starting is like the journey out or like going out or something like that, and I love this moment where it's like the doors to the town open. He goes out, and it's there's such a clear demarcation between effectively like civilization and then just you know the chaos of the outdoors, and it all plays back in reverse, you know, at, at the end of the film. Um, but yeah, like that when I say there's like clear plot, it's like. Well, he's we know where he's going and he goes there and like a bunch of shit happens in between. And some of that shit doesn't make any sense or or is is very dreamlike. But it's you're all you always I at least never was concerned that he was not going to get to the Green Chapel or whatever the hell it was called. Mm hmm. Yeah, but that's what you expect from an epic poem like this. It's like you have vignettes. Like this is the part where this happens. This is the part with the giants. This is the part with the headless ghost lady. Like I and I like like you said, they are framed very explicitly as vignettes because they have title cards. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Well, it, but you, it was hard to read that handwriting really quickly. So I know. I was like, the what? <laughs> but you think about like in in literature terms, literary terms, in that hero's journey, it's essentially the same thing as like the Odyssey. So when these weird things like giants pop up and whatnot, I just kind of chalked it off up to something like that because it's even coming from a similar era too. They're all they're tests. They're uh, yeah. trials. Yeah. Tell me more. About I did want to talk about colors a little bit um, because yellow, like that gold cape was, I mean, the first thing I thought, and I did you guys like, I was like, oh, cool. Cowardice. Like <laughs> it's literally like cloaked in it <laughs> and it's velvet. Like it's very luxurious and like indulgent. And like, I love stuff that I love symbolism that really underscores like a character. That's really obvious. Like I, I loved that. And I love yeah. that the green of the green knight is like, the unknown, the wilderness, and even the the lady at the the castle was talking about like red is passion, and I was like, oh, we're going the full stoplight. We've got well, red, we've got yellow, green. But She's that whole there. analogy though about how I loved it was like basically green is what's left when all the red burns away. That like it doesn't like at the end of the day after everything, we're just all going to be overtaken by the green, which I really like because it's like green as life and death. Yeah, which is cool. And, that, and the way she delivers that whole thing with like the slow zoom is is pretty amazing. That's like what Casey was saying. Very yeah. captivating. Yeah. I also wish after we got introduced to the king and queen, I guess they didn't have fruit in that kingdom. No. Those two poor people did not look too good. <laughs> <laughs> not a lot got, of white. They got the, uh, the scurvy. <laughs> got got some rickets seven, going on. Seventh century Great Britain would not have been great for Eric. Let's no. <laughs> No, Eric. Neither Eric nor myself would make it. I don't. Think. 
I don't know. It's a pretty clean diet, though. If you can get food, yeah. it's basically just yeah. meat and vegetables and like porridge and shit. I don't know. Like that's not that bad. That's pretty healthy. <laughs> I was that's actually not that it, far like... off from my diet, Norris. As long as it's there. <laughs> okay. Hey, I take it back. You would have thrived. Nothing's processed because <laughs> it can't be. <laughs> that's true. Uh, what do you think? I. Caitlin, you pick up on the symbolism more than I do. Was there symbolism behind those amazing crowns? I'm sure there was. I was reading a little bit about the fashion and the costuming because it was so beautiful. And I I love the halo crown. I don't know if the halo is supposed to be like representative of the art that was happening at the time, which is like a lot of medieval art has sort of like the Mary figure with that big halo. I don't know if that's just supposed to be sort of a reference to that and an allusion to that. But I was just, I couldn't take my eyes off. And I was like, oh, there's going to be like, I don't know, in two years, that'll be what Beyonce wears at her next show. (laughs) (laughs) They're beautiful. They were just gorgeous. I did also love the sort of brocade on um, the queen's like vest or whatever she was wearing. It was just really, really interesting. And they looked sallow and sunken and like zombies almost the king and queen, like their teeth are kind of black. It's it's a weird yeah. look. And then they've got this like very angelic halo and like regal presence in their adornments. But they look like shit. Do you think? And they look worse than everybody else. The casting is perfect, though, like on the King Arthur of like you get it looks like a duty to be really regal. And now just it looks like, oh, yeah. like it's the yeah, he's a show. It's yeah. the version you don't see in like the fairy tale. Usually, you know what I mean? So Kate Dickey, I think, is the actress who plays Guinevere. Do you think she just calls her agent and is like, listen, dude, hey, uh, can I just have like all my teeth in the next movie? Like, is that, is that so <laughs> no, I, I just picture people call the agent. Mother- I'm like, look, uh, we need a real dour British lady for this. Because <laughs> she's the same thing no, in Game of Thrones, too. Yeah, no, no. It's and not the witch. dour. It's like, dude, the fucking, they're like, it's, yeah, they're like on their de- death door <laughs> acting crazy. Like, just. She has a rotting uh, clause in her contract where she needs to be decayed. Yeah. How do you feel I about, so how do you feel about breastfeeding a crow in this movie? The, Would you be down for that? <laughs> that character, yeah, uh, in Game of Thrones. Oh my God, yeah. That runs, what, what's uh, the, the Irie, is that what it's called? The Irie, yeah, like, or the Irie, yeah, she is, um. Oh god, what is her name? She's, she's Catelyn. She's, she's Catelyn Stark's sister. Yeah, yeah. Dude, you're calling me out. I should know this. Well, Sweet Robin is the son. I always remember Sweet Robin. <laughs> Sweet Robin. John Aaron was the, is the husband. Yeah, yeah. Lady, name? it's Lady Aaron. Um, yeah, that's what they that's what they refer to her most. They call her, I think. Yeah. But it was cool to have her and Ralph Innocent back. I mean, his voice yeah. is was perfect for the Green Knight, yeah. and his just like his his general physical presence on screen, like it was that was very well cast. That was another like talk about horror moment when she reads the note. Yeah. So Kate Dickey is reading a note. It's coming through in the Green Knight's voice. Yeah. I mean, there's some that stuff's a pretty dark. Like, you know. Well, cool. and the lighting and everything. <laughs> it was really well done. As we keep talking about, like as her voice started to change and come in that and the lighting in the room changed and they started getting that glow coming up behind everybody yeah. and whatnot. It was a striking scene. All right, Caitlin Schnarr says it's okay, so let's get the list out. Okay. It. Yeah. Oh, is Kayla Caitlin's key keeping keep Oh, you missed you weren't, you weren't here last week, John. Big thing, big yeah. doings. Oh my god. Eric's list. I sent her I huh? sent I invited her to the document live on air. <laughs> <laughs> Eric can't manage his own documents. <laughs> I mean, I managed to add her to it. I think that's pretty impressive. I didn't say, "Can you find this?" <laughs> So, you know. So is that, are we good? Are we good on that? Yeah, it's Joel, good. It's good. I was very excited with Joel Edgerton showing up. I'm just, anytime he's in a movie, I'm 
I'm here for it. So yeah, he's yeah. real. He's real weird in this movie. It's good. I just that's the only part. That's the only part of the movie though that lost me as far as everything that was going on. I was still fine with it. It was still entertaining. I thought it fit in well, but I didn't quite understand like we talked about uh, why Alicia Vikander's character was there and it's a different character. So well, that's what I mean. Like it, it's so. It's interesting because it's very disorienting as the audience, but they, it's never explained. Yeah. So you're just kind of left to be like, okay, like that. Well, it's got to be intentional in some way. And maybe the disorienting is that like, yeah, he took those mushrooms and it's just been kind of surreal and dreamlike ever since. Yeah. Or he's projecting it because he needs this comfort of home in this really unknown situation that he's probably not capable of handing, right. handling. <laughs> but I also bring that up again because for me at this point, this movie to t- to not sound like we're gushing about it, you got to nitpick it, and that's like the worst I can come up with, really. It's not because everything not, else not, I thought not, was spot on. Yeah, I don't even think it's a be. it's a nitpick. It's just a thing that it was like disorienting in the moment. Yeah, but I'm not smart like Caitlin. I can't figure that shit out while it's happening. Um, um, just because I wanted to check Barry Keo Keohin Keo. Yeah, I think Keohin. Uh, so he's the scavenger, like that weird kid, killing of a sacred deer. Remember how uh, fucking weird he was in that movie that's where i remember him from <laughs> oh that movie Whew. he is unbelievable yeah love that guy <laughs> he's very off-putting in a good oh. way like good job you did you know he understood the which assignment. guy is this he's the he's like the scavenger you know oh, he's just the like little the kid shithead yeah he dude, like i love when he in real life he's, i love when he 29. is I love at the end when the he's strolling back through that territory and that he's just like stumbling around. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like when he was like, an axe looks good on me or like whatever he said, like it suits me. And I was like, he's going to fuck around and like <laughs> cut somebody. <laughs> that was a beautiful axe too. I kept looking at it. I was like, it's and pretty, then when he, <laughs> it's a pretty dope axe. <laughs> when Gawain lays it on the green chapel and like it, you know, there's, it's a beautiful scene and there's water dripping. I was like, Oh no, no, don't put it there. It's going to rust. <laughs> Dude, I have a question. Hear his heartbeat. I have a question oh, for a history scene. people. There's this really, really cool scene when he's in the like Second Kingdom where Alicia Vikander's character is going to paint him. And there's like a wall, presumably facing the outside, that has these like little cylinders that she removes to let these like strategic beams of sunlight through. And then he looks like a Renaissance painting. And I was like, wait, is that how they did that? Because that's fucking brilliant. I need to know if that's a thing. <laughs> Someone tell me. I honestly don't know. We'll have to consult Cece. She would know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. The Green Knight. Uh, Caitlin, thumbs up or down? Yeah, thumbs up. Check it out. Casey. Both thumbs up. John. Yeah, big big thumb. Big Same. thumb up. Big thumb. <laughs> Same. <laughs> That's weird. It's real good. Uh, make sure you got a lot of time because it's long. Check it out. Discover the number one movie everyone is talking about, The Good Son, a frightening portrait of evil. Macaulay Culkin plays the bad seed to perfection. What makes people evil? I don't believe in evil. A chilling roller coaster of terror. Loaded with tension and suspense. With a heart-pounding edge-of-your-seat climax. A great thriller. I let you go. You think you could fly? The Good Son, rated R. Now playing at theaters everywhere. Hello, I'm 
I'm Nell Campbell from the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and you're listening to Bloody Good Horror. I was supposed to remind you that Alyssa sent you an email about book club. I literally, and, dude, I think you just, okay. I think you just mind melded with me. Cause before you even said that, I knew what it was about. <laughs> um, Alyssa, we just finished. We need to do something by Matt. Is this the one she said? She sent it last week. Yeah, this is it. We just read it out loud. Um, we just finished. We need to do, so this is a BGH book club. Y'all we finished. We need to do something by Max Booth. The third, which is one of the weirdest things I've ever read. As I mentioned a while back, September is Hispanic Heritage Month. It's not much, but in honor of that, the patrons chose from a list of Hispanic and Latinx authors. This month's book will be Mexican Gothic by Silvia Moreno-Garcia, which focuses on a young woman investigating her cousin's claims that her husband is trying to kill her. I'm very excited because all the patrons on Slack who have already read it say it is amazing. Have a great week. Um, that is Alyssa who runs the book club. You can check us out on Goodreads and Reddit's also Reddit. It's RBGH book club, I believe, which is where a lot of that discussion is currently happening. Books. Some people read them. It's cool. I'm into it. Um, John, the BGH agenda. Don't forget the 5k October 16th. God, I'm so glad you wrote that date down. Yeah. So that you didn't, if you had called on me to one more time, come up with it, it would have been bad. I have it right it here in my notebook done. so that I see it every day. And I, every week now I copy the dates into my new note. This is how I keep track of shit now. No. Eric is training. He's, he's putting in some work right now. That's right. I'm doing it. Um, John patron Halloween zoom party 2.0 Saturday, October 27th. I think last year we started like 9 PM uh, Eastern. We'll see that probably will stay again this year. I've talked to Caitlin John, and she's prepared to put together a prize package for the trivia winner. Mm-hmm. Trivia, of course. Um, we can talk off air, John. She needs money. Trivia, of course. Um, put together by In Mr. so many ways. <laughs> put together by Mr. John Shelton. For those who did not attend this event last year, it was incredible trivia. Yeah. Um, and if you like trivia in general, every week almost it's happening on Slack with our boy Jody is putting trivia on. So. Lots of horror trivia going on at BGH. But yeah, so all you have to do is be a patron at any level. And about a week out um, in October, we'll give you the information of how to join. We're going to do a costume contest. Last year's was a shitload of fun. There was a lot of really cool costumes. And, you know, last year especially was like the pandemic Halloween. So it was a really cool event to, I don't know, just blow off some steam, which John definitely did. <laughs> I might still be recovering. <laughs> Eric, I feel like you have to be the Green Knight now. I know you want to be stars with the long hair, but do they have that at Spirit Halloween? I feel like you can. There's yeah. got to be a makeup tutorial on you YouTube could, already. Yeah, you could. No, put that I'm together. not. I'm not doing makeup. That's a step too far. <laughs> it took me 
10 minutes to put together the Schnorr's costume out of things I found on Amazon and things I had. So like, um, that's my threshold for Big costume win. investment. <laughs> no, I was going to do quarantine Schnorr's. I just need a wig. Um, and like a, a wig and like a polo shirt, maybe you lot up lots of polos while you were in quarantine, John. Uh, uh, that, yeah, I mean, that's, that's all the time I wear polos. Yeah. I feel like you got a V, but now that you're back in Manhattan, a V neck or no crew neck. Uh, crew neck. I was going to call you out. Although I love a V neck. Our V neck. I need in? to rebuild I don't the V neck, uh, you know, inventory here. I don't have a ton. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, that's what's going on at BGH info app. Bloody good is the email address. Casey, you uh, made an appearance on a podcast recently. Would you like to tell us about it? Sure. I showed up uh, with the dads from the crypt talking about season two uh, episode from tales of the crypt, cutting cards with Lance Henriksen and Kevin Ty. You can uh, find that episode out there now on any of your favorite podcast stuff. That's dads from the crypt. Uh, you can give them a follow on Instagram too at, at dads from the crypt as well. They are uh, cool dudes. There's some g- good talk of Lance Henriksen, Vegas dad tips, all sorts of stuff. Love it. They're crushing it. Caitlin. Yeah, I've had two of the dads from the Crypt Dads on Plug It Up. Um, the episodes haven't been released yet, but uh, Jody joined me alongside Elizabeth for our take on Jug Face, which is a really interesting folk horror movie. And then Jason was on and we did Sleepaway Camp. So I'll be getting those out over the next few weeks and just got to round out and have Mondo on and we'll be have all the dads, our, our dad ducks in a row. But no, Plug It Up has been really, really fun. Jennifer's Body came out this week, and I'm really, really happy with that one. It's generated some conversation, we'll say. So. I love it. Dude, such a such a conversation going on around that movie recently. Yeah, it's getting, it's having a bit what, of a renaissance, and I'm, I'm happy What an interesting it, thing to be this old and see the discourse, the entirety of the, like, life cycle of the discourse on that movie. Like, where we've now come all the way around. I mean, I've still yeah. never, I've never seen it. I need to. Um, Caitlin, what's my top 10 looking like right now? Well, you've only got one spot left that's open, FYI. All right. Um, number well, one is Promising Young Woman. Number two is Candyman. Three, Fear Street. Four, Werewolves Within. Five, St. Maud. Six, The Stylist. Seven is Blank. Eight, Boys from County Hell. Nine, Psycho Goreman. And ten, Censor. This definitely goes above Fear Street. Okay. Cool. I love that you still have Psycho Gorman. It's just, oh, it's, it's hanging in. I'm pretty sure it's staying. No, the thing that's on there right now, what's nine? No, it's nine. Psycho Gorman and then Censor. Yeah, Psycho Gorman is nine. Yeah. Censor would be the first thing you bumped, I feel like, on this list. Because I can barely remember it, so that's usually my litmus <laughs> test. <laughs> Video nasties. Um, Love it. Uh, Casey, what do we got doing on uh, Twitter? All right, we got two tweets out there tonight. Our hashtag is AskBGH. Send us a question. We'll make up answers. Both tweets come from the Dads from the Crypt podcast that we just mentioned. Uh, first up, which movie was better at revitalizing the franchise? Candyman 2021 or Halloween 2018? Oh, dude, Halloween. Are you kidding? Like, Candyman was cool, but like, are they going to make sequels to it? I mean, I guess they maybe they could, but... Yeah, they could. I mean, Candyman and my heart to see more of like (laughs) they're both they're both impressive feats. I think Candyman is like the more unlikely of revivals because of like how just kind of perfect and complete that first movie is. Whereas Halloween being a slasher is just like kind of tailor made for sequels. But 
They're both pretty yeah, impressive. In terms of franchises, I would go Halloween. They're both pretty impressive for different reasons. I think it had been so long. So many people have tried to do right with Halloween and just totally boned it up, Rob Zombie, that like um it's just you know, it's impressive to see someone do it right. All righty. And for their second question, again from Dads from the Crypt Podcast, they bust out our own uh Candyman revival here, you could say. And they ask, who would win? An army of Candyman versus an army of Brock Lesnar's? That's a great question. I think this Aren't we all the winner or loser in that scenario? That's a lot of beasts, so there's going to have to be a lot of EpiPins. That's, that's a lot of man buns now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, army of man Brock buns. I, saw, I, I did see some of the, you know, content from, from whatever that return was. Yeah. He's a he's a weird looking gentleman. I think Candyman could get him at this point. <laughs> yeah, well that's a, that's the edge. thing, John. That's the thing. Brock Lesnar ages. Candyman is eternal, and we're definitely yeah, yeah. out of Brock Lesnar's like you know mm-hmm. peak here. Peak, so, yeah. yeah. Peak Lesnar's is behind us. Yeah, and he's uh, not as old. He's not as uh, old as Tony Todd anymore. Let's we, say that. We should mention you can still get the absolutely amazing Brock Lesnar versus Candyman shirt in our store if you go to T Public and search Bloody Good Horror. It's just not called that because every time you call it that, they take it down. Mm. <laughs> yeah. You can also find those shirts going to bloodygoodhorror.com and checking up at the top there, the shortcuts. There is a uh, shirts link There's a out link there link. direct to the T Public store. That's so. shirts, yeah. It's a good one. And that's is it that for it? Twitters. Word. Light tweets. Huh? I yeah. had to do question Tuesday twice because I forgot because I didn't know <laughs> what day it was. So we're going to go all the way back. Uh,. Which it's Halloween. Which one of the five monster cereals is best? I don't know. I haven't eaten them in forty years, so I couldn't tell you. They look really cool. Like the the box design is really like vintage retro looking. I, I haven't tried yeah. it. Yet, Even when I was a kid, awesome. my mom wouldn't have bought that stuff. Like, <laughs> I kind of like them all. They're all kind of taste the same. Do they taste too, different? So, but even? I enjoy them. Right. Like, don't they just all taste like sugar? Pretty much. Except I definitely have not had one since i was you know teens or below but they do have the new monster match cereal where they mix them all together this year yeah i mean if you need me to test it i will god (laughs) (laughs) i might look up that monster um here's a good one what non-horror film are you currently excited for dune dune Dune. great answer very Very much dune also matrix this trailer drops tomorrow i'm pretty pumped What's happening with that? I feel like that that's happened. That conversation happened and the train left without me and I have no idea what's going on. It's Matrix <laughs> 4. It's called Matrix Resurrections. It's directed by Lana Wachowski. Um, oh. And yeah, it looks really cool. So they are they have cooked up some way to bring back um, Carrie Ann Moss and Keanu Reeves. Although interestingly, not Lawrence Fishburne, which I didn't realize until I was reading an article yesterday. But... So I, my guess is, well, whatever. Anything I guess right now is going to sound stupid because it comes out tomorrow and the show comes out Friday. So <laughs> check it out. It, it, if you're listening to this, no, no, it's on speculate. the internet. Yeah. This is it. I think it's going to be, because they the, the old, the Matrix got destroyed at the end of the third one. So I think it's going to be that like some percentage of humans decided they wanted to be in the Matrix. So the, I think there's going to be a big deal made out of like the decision of whether or not you want to live in the real world or live in the Matrix. 
And my Spoilers. guess I still is, seen the third and one. my my guess is that Neo and Trinity are like revived as just, um, like digital things in this like multiverse, because they're both died at the end of the third one. You should have just had break this thing, man. Come on, that's my guess, John. Let's, you got let's see if I'm right. I do. Yeah, I do. So yeah. That's a good, yeah, Matrix and uh, Dune. That Dune movie looks, I, I've never seen the original Dune. I have no, you know, I've never read the book. I have zero attachment to it. That Dune movie <laughs> looks sick. I didn't realize apparently this Dune movie only covers half of the book. Yeah, there's. Yeah. I, I actually read the book in the last They're like, working on this years. on a sequel, on the sequel. Well, I mean, I assume. They're speculating Dude, a trilogy from what I've seen. I'm telling you, that Oscar Isaac, that, that Oscar Isaac can do anything, John. It's amazing. There's yeah. like a shitload of those books. I think, you know. Yeah, there are a lot of two. Yeah. yeah. Here's a great question. What's your current favorite synthwave band or artist not named Hi-Fi? That's H-Y-F-Y, oh John, in Spotify. Yeah. Come on. That's... What if Hi-Fi oh, is my favorite? Well, yeah. who, do you have one? As, the, as John, I know, I know you don't, John. What about I, you, Casey? I, do, I definitely do not, Phil. I don't keep up with them a lot, but I do return to Perturbator a lot. Perturbator is very good. Um... Mine would be Power Glove. And I would say they were probably the biggest influence on Hi-Fi, John, for those who are wondering. Um, HY-FY on Spotify. Your current home theater setup. This is easy for me. Laptop and these headphones. We, I mean, I bought a big ass TV when we moved to New York. That was like the one thing I was like, I got getting a fucking new TV. Once you have we kids, had the though, same TV like once years. you have kids, any audio situation that's not headphones is useless. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I get a, I've got a nice big TV, 4K. I honestly, I have a uh, receiver and surround sound hooked up to it. I haven't used it in forever yeah. just because it's kind of a pain in the butt. And everybody's kind of doing their own thing. Typically, or like I'm, you know, I don't know. Yeah. The my my struggle is like when I want to watch something, like just have something on the TV that is not kids crap, but like my kids are around, but literally everything I watch or want to watch is just not appropriate for kids like at all. <laughs> so it's just I was end up watching the Great British Baking Show. Like I was going to say it's got to be Bake Off. Yeah, I have totally. it Totally. But I it, it's like it doesn't always do it for me, but it's like the only option. <laughs> Well, like I really want to watch uh, marathons of Bar Rescue when they're on, but you can't do that with a five and a three-year-old. It's tough with uh, <laughs> what's God, what's his name? Now I'm gonna forget. John Tapper, John Tapper, running around telling people their bar smells like shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I'm asking the questions, John. Uh, yeah, you are. Uh, best NHL team. I don't watch hockey. I had no answer for that. Come on. No. Pass. Do American... <laughs> Flyers. It's the Philadelphia Flyers. Just Do American me. Horror Stories writers only write three episodes per season then make up the rest on set? Question mark? Wow. Well, as a writer on the show, I take offense. <laughs> yeah. Just kidding. Ryan Murphy, I would love to talk, though. Um, <laughs> we're only three episodes into the new season, so it's hard to judge yet, but... Yeah, but I'm can digging. you judge based on the previous seasons? Yeah, they're 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 dumb, but I love. Them. <laughs> they have too many ideas that they try to cram into things, and they have a lot of characters and plot lines. But I mean, if you watch them 20, 30 times over, like I do, they all make sense in the end. 
I've only watched two seasons of American Horror Story, and both times the experience was the first half of the season. I'm like, oh, this is pretty good. This is pretty good. This is pretty good. Then it gets right smack in the middle, and then it's for the rest of the season. It's like, what the hell just happened? It goes off the rails usually, but I still love it. Casey, which two seasons have you watched? 1984 and uh, Asylum, I believe. Okay. Those are fun ones. Uh, let's see. Two questions left, John. I know you like to be prepared for the end mm, of the show. Thank you. Have you ever you. gone on any cool trips to visit filming locations from your favorite movies? I mean, I no. live in New York, which is one of my oh. favorite locations. Did you move there because so. of Chud? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I take that as a yeah. yes. Yeah, I've yeah. always really I do I have not, but I'd always really wanted to visit the camp that they shot the original Friday the thirteenth at, which I believe is in New Jersey. So it's not out of the question. I could do that. Not that far away. You can go to the diner that's in that movie and they sell like bootleg mugs with the Friday the thirteenth font on them. That seemed pretty cool. That I kinda want one. <laughs> Un- unlicensed yeah 100 100% I have not uh, visited any of those sites but my middle school gym was almost the gym in Hoosiers like was in it, the final wait, five wait a minute wait a minute did you just say almost almost <laughs> <laughs> it was almost my middle school gym was the third best gym in Indiana it was <laughs> We were so close. No, in this, ter- in this terms, this was the 80s, and the Hoosiers took place somewhere in the 50s, so it was like the third oldest in India. I really like picturing that there's a sign in your town that says, like, we were almost the gym in Hoosiers. <laughs> Amazing. All right, John, last question. Ooh, After right. this, John, the show ends. Okay. okay. I'm getting my energy <laughs> level back up. Go. Best standalone slasher. It's a good one. Oh. I, I have an uh, answer. Just before dawn. Great, nice. uh, great uh, suggestion. I want to say you're next, but that's, I guess, more home invasion. Some slashing yeah. happens. I would, I would allow it. I would allow that. Uh, I would also have accepted Terror Train. I don't think there's a sequel. I just there. watched Terror Train. It was on Shutter TV. That movie is fun. Yeah, it's it a good time. Fun yeah. as hell. Yeah. I'll throw out Behind the Mask, Rise of Leslie Vernon. Interesting. Um, I don't really like the word best, John, because it's so subjective, but I would say my favorite standalone. All. They're all your special. My children, favorite standalone slasher is The Burning. Oh, oh yeah. That's fair. Yeah, all right. Can't, probably... can't beat that shit. Nicely done. Young Jason Alexander. Yep. If anyone wants to buy me an original vinyl of that soundtrack, I'll be your friend forever. That's all it takes. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> so, cheap. so cheap. That's it. <laughs> cheap friend. All right. Bloody Good Horror, John. Another episode in the books. The Green Knight. Uh, next week, uh, Malignant. Malignant. Mm. Yeah, you got it. James Wan. Good news, John. James Wan tweeted that this one's for the hardcore horror fans. So get excited. Oh, I have so I've seen nothing. Like no trailers. I, mean, I saw there was like an ad on IMDb. For it's a James Wan it. movie. That's the only thing. Someone gets possessed. Wait. Someone gets WWE thrown against a wall, like by a spear. Yeah. Say what you want about James Wan. Motherfucker knows how to oh. make a scary movie. I'm not like, I don't yeah. disparaging him. I'm just saying I know what this movie is going to be. That's what I'm I saying. hope that this hey. actually is a secret Fast Furious um, <laughs> tie-in. 
That's my, my hope. I just want to reiterate Chase's hilarious tweet that was like, James Wan is just working through the th- through the thesaurus with insidious and malignant <laughs> right. and uh, sinister. <laughs> was he involved in sinister? No. Is that, I, so I someone pointed it. out, I was like, dude, that's the most amazing tweet. And somebody's like, he didn't make sinister. I was like, oh, oh I didn't know. Maybe he such produced a good it. tweet. I saw, I caught the trailer for malignant before Candyman and, no, it looks um, it good. Enough for me, to, it was for me enough for me to say, "Hey, this actually looks interesting." It for looks, a horror movie. It looks good. And like up until this point in the year, we haven't gotten a lot of just straight up horror movies. That's what I was saying. When we did Werewolves Within, like yeah. as a horror comedy, that was kind of the horror horriest thing we've done all year. So like traditional. So between yeah, that with a 2021 release and Halloween Kills, I'm getting pretty excited. And Candyman, Candyman, Candyman. Schnars, you got to see it report back i can't wait no i know it's, well, it's got to be streaming soon right like they're not gonna fuck around the theater i don't know on this i don't know <sighs> i'll hold my breath i guess i did not have to walk all the way around the haunted parking lot of my theater to get to my car this time so that was cool <laughs> you did skedaddle though you were ready to go oh no i, I got freaked out and ran, <laughs> I ran out of the theater. <laughs> All right, everyone. Don't forget, you can get a streaming video version of this show, patreon.com slash bloodygoodhorror, live when we record it. You can hear the um, pre-show, always exciting stuff. Um, You can also get back episodes of the show and access to our Slack at patreon.com slash bloodygoodhorror. And if you are a patron... um, at the Candyman, I think it is, level, John, you should check your inbox if you haven't. We sent out a message um, a couple weeks ago looking for some information. I'll mm-hmm. probably send out a follow-up for us or getting on that. So, all right, guys. Um, thank you for joining us. Hope you enjoyed the show. We'll talk to you next week. See you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.